What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Elevate Experience. The podcast about overcoming struggles and adversity and how that relates to addiction, recovery, and health. I am your host and the CEO of Elevate Addiction Services, Angie Manson. And I'm Dallas Terrell, co-host and life intervention counselor at Elevate. Thank you so much for joining us, and let's jump right in. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Elevate Experience podcast. No, we didn't steal that from Joe Rogan. This is just the experience over here at Elevate. And experience is a really good word. I've had people ask me that because it's like the Joe Rogan experience. Oh, yeah. But like he didn't steal the word experience. It's not his word. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just happens to have yeah. a lot of it and so do we. Yeah. Well said, Ange. That's actually really good. Yeah. yeah. We got a lot of experience as well over here at Elevate and uh, that's the name of the podcast. So thanks for being here. <laughs> it's literally me and Angie today, Angie and I. So we hope that's good enough for you guys, and we're going to talk about our experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, from the beginning, Dallas and I wanted to mix it up and do about one of these a month, but we've been fortunate enough to have enough guests uh, week after week after week that we haven't done this a whole lot. So kind of like new territory, but a territory we always thought we were going to go in. So I'm, I'm excited for us to, you know, maybe make this a part of the normal Elevate experience. Yeah. Like get to get to know the hosts, because I mean, right. if you think about it. For the most part, it's kind of us interviewing people or asking questions or like talking about Elevate generally. You know, I know we've both told like our story or, you know, related to certain things like through our experience in the podcast. But who knows? Maybe maybe the audience is just dying to know more about what we think. Yeah. And and that's what we're going to tackle today. We did discuss several things that might be good. But I know for myself, something that's come up and it's probably... And you brought it up, so it yeah. must have come up to you as well. But there seems to be a continuous sort of question about what is our opinion and thoughts on this new, quote unquote, California sober and mm-hmm. or microdosing, because those yeah. are becoming very popular as a means of getting sober. Mm-hmm. How many times a month do you think people ask you for your thought or opinion or stance on those two questions? I would definitely say it's it's becoming more and more and more. I remember yeah. we did a podcast about six months ago, and it yeah. was the first time it ever came up on the podcast. But since that and point- And I was excited to talk about it. Yeah. I've been excited ever since then. Exactly. <laughs> and 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 it's just become more prevalent. I don't know yeah. if it's getting more press or there's more success, mm-hmm. but it's definitely becoming a pretty popular thing to uh, not only do, but talk about. For yeah. Sure. Well, I guess we should talk about kind of what we think about it. I mean, mine's-, mine's a, I don't want to compare it to yours because I don't know what yours is, but I feel like mine's concise. Like, okay, the first part of it is if you're not in recovery or actively trying to stay sober, I don't really care. You know, if you're because then you're not sober, so it doesn't matter that you're not right. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's and just another kind of quote unquote therapy for sure. I think I have more to talk about on the microdosing, but maybe we'll we'll go Cali California sober first. Microdosing is kind of what I meant. I'm more concise on where it's like, dude, if you're not, if you're not in sobriety, it doesn't really bother me. I don't have a stance on what the American people feel about taking mushrooms. I don't think it's that smart, but yeah, I mean, I, maybe we start there. Maybe we start microdosing first. Okay. I feel I have more attention on that. All right. Well, <laughs> let's talk about that one because I, you know, I do get asked a lot about it in conjunction with our stance on sobriety. Yeah. And I've seen or heard really great success. I know they've used microdosing for like veterans suffering from PTSD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, that's not uh, someone dealing with an addiction. It's somebody Mm -hmm. dealing with some heavy trauma and this is a means for them to deal with it. And there's been success that's come out of that. For sure. Um, so like you said, for that, I'm definitely uh, not opposed. Yeah. It is a hallucinogenic. So I think anytime you're utilizing that, it could go bad yeah. really fast. Yeah. I mean, yeah. back in the day when uh, you know I was first starting to use drugs and alcohol, I used a lot of hallucinogenics. And there was definitely the path of like laughter and fun. And then there was a lot of people that went down a very bad trip. And it was that like, wasn't the start of your spiritual journey. <laughs> Maybe it was. No. <laughs> For me, it ended up being more like talking my friends down off ledges of shit yeah. that's not really real. real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So it kind of was my first uh, step into helping others because I quickly, I for some reason, had a grasp on reality for the most part, and I while can, high, while high, <laughs> and I could, I could, I could uh, ground other people in a reality. Like, no, the cops are, or the FBI is not out to get us. We're just like not that important. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So you know, I, I was pretty good at uh, bringing reality back down. But that being said, you know, if if you're you're using um, hallucinogens, it can go bad. True. Very true. Yeah. I think there's risk with, with taking them. Okay, so let's see. Um, I think there's there's really one part, and that one part of the microdosing trickles into, like, our world. So I think the way that that is is like this. There's, like, this cultural, like, buzzwordy, like, microdose like phenomena going on and maybe it's on just on the internet. I don't really know, but I know a lot of people that take small doses of mushrooms and have kind of like these like wild claims and I've never done it. So I can't debunk them or say that it's untrue, but it just seems far fetched. It's like when mindfulness first came out, not first came out, but when mindfulness and meditating caught like all that crazy buzz and it was like, meditate and it will cure your cancer and like meditate and you'll be rich. Like it's just like, it just got so like carried away. Mm-hmm. Like if you meditate, it will solve all your problems. Any problem. Every but, problem. But really meditating just makes you aware of them. That's all it really does. It just creates awareness. Absolutely. So it can't, it can't do all these things. You know, I, I think of it kind of like fad diets. That's kind of mm-hmm. how I think of microdosing. That's kind of how I, I see like the mechanics of it, just like a fad diet, you know, except all these people that are doing it have to continue to justify why it's a good choice for them. And I I don't really care too much about that for most people. But what I do care about is when maybe we'll say someone like Joe Rogan, who's a huge influencer. And I love Joe Rogan for the most part. And I bet his experience with microdosing is is positive. I I don't really know. But when people have like this authority and they talk about it, I think it can influence people that should not be microdosing. I think, right? And that's like the problem that I see is that's like the con to me is like you can't just speak so blanketly about them and say like, oh man, I take these magic mushrooms every morning and I become a superhuman. It'd be like me saying like, It'd be like me preaching Adderall. Like, dude, take Adderall. It'll suppress your diet. You'll lose weight. You'll run faster. You'll think harder, faster, longer, smarter, better. But then I don't say, I don't give any, like, uh, warnings. I don't, like, I'm not, I shouldn't be prescribing that to anybody. Like, that's not my role. So I think the culture is, like, prescribing or suggesting magic mushrooms, to people very like uh like blindly you know or like i'm trying to think of another word like just without any authority to do so yeah well and it's exactly like what i was just talking about you know you have your people who will get something good out of it but then you have your people and i noticed this is the people that had either like all this like crazy responsibility and stress or worries Mm -hmm. they would surface uh during the trip so if you're someone like in joe rogan where i mean let's be honest what kind of stress and worry does he really have in his life he's the Mm -hmm. master of his domain in every possible way financially and every otherwise so for him it probably does just enhance all the good stuff that he has. But for somebody who's struggling just with like something. Just like normal drugs. Yeah, with a <laughs> That's trauma. What drugs did to me. Yeah, you're struggling with a trauma that you've never handled. You're stressed over work. You're into this or that. There's the chance it could like pop you out of that and let you see it from a different position. But it is also a probably bigger chance that it's going to just suck you into that even more and you're going to obsess over mm-hmm. it. So what I'm hearing you say is it's kind of like a band-aid right it's like a, a mood band-aid or like a, a a dodging kind of strategy it's like an avoidance tactic or it's like a, a hack like sure just like having a few beers on the weekend with your friends it's right. like oh let me just you know get to from here to comfortable real fast yeah and it's a it's like you said it's either gonna 
help the person or it's going to cover something up, but it's mm-hmm. almost never always the best solution. Yeah, no, I know. I agree. And I think broadly, like the, for me and I, and I'm biased, obviously, you know, like I'm a sober individual who's like proud of his sobriety and that's me and that's totally fine. I just don't like the authoritative people like suggesting like drug use. Everyone should try it. Yeah. yeah like everyone should do it. Like, or that like life's of, uh, like I get, okay. It's hard for me to, to label it. Cause I have so many experiences in my head coming through at one time, but a couple that are very clear to me are like becoming enlightened, right? Like there's no shortcut to becoming enlightened. There's, there's no shortcut to having a spiritual experience. And if there is, how does microdosing make it like super authentic? You know, I don't think you can take this drug and then magically like reframe your mind, which is what they claim in, in like the PTSD stuff, right? Is like, if you can bring up this trauma in an altered state, it can alter the way that you think about it. So when you sober up and wake up the next morning, it feels like cleared up like Mm -hmm. that trauma. You kind of have a different perspective on it. Like, Oh, I see it when I was tripping balls on mushrooms. I feel a little bit better about it. Like you almost like update your experience to yeah. that experience. Yeah. And so you remember it just as being that experience rather than the traumatic experience it was before, right. I guess. Right. Like processing, but on drugs. I don't know. And again, that's probably someone, if we talk about the vets that are with somebody guiding them through the process and controlled environment, therapeutically yeah. or medically, but not just here, go take this, have a good weekend. We'll talk next week. Yeah. It's more of a, a guided process, I would assume. Very true. And it is. It is with clinical staff that do it. It's monitored. The dose is monitored. Everything. Yep. And that makes sense. That's awesome. That's great. Also, people don't do that every day for quarters of their life. Right. Right? Like, they, these, these guys aren't doing this every day from May to September. Yeah. You know? Like, how many spiritual experiences are do you need? Like, at what point are you bullshitting yourself? Well, and that's the slippery slope, right? Yeah. Because you do it to have this initial thought and then you're like, oh my God, that thought was so good. I got to do it again. I got to do that again. And then you're chasing it. And there is the groundwork for becoming addicted. Right. When does that stop? Why would why would you stop? Now you just need to do more. You need to do it more often. You got to get back to that place. And we know mm-hmm. that's how addiction starts. Right. So it's a slippery slope to just like recreationally say, hey, I'm just going to do this like once a year to now you're chasing it. Mm-hmm. And now you are the victim of the yeah. substance that you just put as as your empowerer. Yeah. No, I like that. And I think that's why maybe I have less uh like resistance on the ayahuasca stuff cuz people say it's so intense and they really only do it like once a year or once a 5 years mm-hmm. cuz it's like so intense. Yep. And that makes sense. And like to me it doesn't seem like as justified. It's like yeah, every 5 years I go take this sacred medis like so oh, and man. again guided and yeah, yeah and all that but i think those words bug me because it's like it, it's almost like makes it taboo like you can't like discredit it because now it's it's sacred plant medicine and it's like you know that's like saying i, I can't think of a good analogy right now but it's like saying that weed is like god's oxygen you know (laughs) like god breathes this smoke in and so should you like it it's just very like irresponsible i think and to me it just seems like this projection of like either a i'm cool or like b i'm having all these spiritual experiences and taking these shortcuts in life and you guys are missing out so it's almost like just like it just feels like false claims and who knows, maybe someone from the audience has this experience and thinks I'm full of shit because I haven't done it. But that's kind of like my general approach is it just feels like very irresponsible. Like someone with too much, people with too much authority are like blanketly talking about taking mushrooms and coining all these like band-aid benefits as spiritual experience or as spiritual um journeys as 
sacred plant medicine. Like the language even used behind it just bothers the shit out of me. <laughs> if you couldn't tell, if you couldn't yeah. tell. Well, I get, I, I mean, I totally understand where you're coming from. You know, we have, I think, not we, but other people in a much higher position than we're in have a somewhat responsibility to everyone, not yeah. just the people that this would benefit. Because mm-hmm. then what about the other half of the people that had a bad experience and now they're locked up in a 5150? Yeah. Are you going to be responsible for having created that? And yeah. I, so I think that's where we are always very cautious on what we say we are okay with and not okay with because I would never want to give somebody the permission to go do something that could make their life a whole lot worse. True. And another thing I think that's kind of more on the logistics end is like, okay, so say you have someone that's sober, or just say you have someone that's an average person that has an Instagram and gets, you know, um, convinced that this is a good idea from these like false idols is how I'm going to label it or whatever. And now they have to go find a drug dealer on the streets because I don't think you can buy mushrooms at Seven Eleven. Um, <laughs> maybe in Denver you can. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Maybe in San Francisco they have some <laughs> cigarette store that sells them. I don't really know. But <laughs> yeah. just like the risk that you now accrue trying to find them, buying them, getting them, where'd they come from? Who made them? How much do they cost? How much do you take? Well, I take six. Okay, how much is it weigh? I don't really know. Right. So it's just like the logistics side of it, too, is just like it's hard to measure. So therefore, it makes me think that like these people's experiences are hard to measure. And it's just this projection. It's just their opinion. Right. You know? Because they had a good experience. But they, they label it as like truth. And it is truth for them, but it's not it's it's not helpful for everybody and people kind of buy into that. I don't know. Maybe I'm kind of running over the same, same uh, concepts now, but that's also kind of a con that I see of it is how much do you take? Like what is microdosing? A small dose. What's a small dose? Right. Right. How many people are just tripping every day? Yeah. And how often and how much has it become a part of your life? And now you need that just to get through the day. Yeah. um, Because you don't know how to feel normally anymore because now you just know how to feel when you're on that yeah and how much is it a bummer like how much does it bum you out to to live without them now you know how much does it water down normal life how could you have a spiritual experience without drugs what about the bible what about church what about meditating what about talking to a buddhist what about going on a retreat like the big problem is that there's no such thing as life hacks like they don't exist just like fad diets they don't work long term they only work in the short term and that short term gain is like one of the root problems of addiction It's like we're always choosing these life hacks Xanax was a life hack for me heroin was crack was I shot crack and I felt like Superman I shot heroin I felt like Superman Meth did that for me. I was productive. I lost weight. I got so much done. Look at how amazing it Mm -hmm. is. So we get blinded by the short-term immediate effects or wins or results or outcomes. And we just kind of shake our head over to the the cons. So I think it's good to illuminate the cons. And I don't think they're illuminated very often. No, especially these days where it's a very pro-world. And I get it. It's new. I think the other thing that you touched on, it's like, it's not just a hack. It's like, this is the problem we're at in society where we just want the quick fix, the quick yeah, fix, the yeah. quick fix. We don't want to do the work. I don't want to go on a three-day retreat if I could just, you know, take it right. in my bathroom that morning. Yeah, you just, People have gotten very comfortable and we don't want to put in the work to get the benefit. We just want the benefit, no work. Yeah, And that, to me, this seems like that's that's the shortcut that people are trying to get to without putting in the actual work to get to that long-lasting result. Because I also remember back when I used to use hallucinogens, I'd have like all the answers to the universe. I felt brilliant. Sometimes I'd actually write hours. it down. Yeah. And then the next day when I was sober, I looked at it. I was like, that really was kind of dumb. I can't believe I thought that was so brilliant. So again, I, I just like you, I've never microdosed. So I only have my past experience of doing hallucinogens to draw from, but I can only imagine it is a similar situation where you feel like you have all the answers to the universe. And then when you come back to reality, you're like, oh, that was just a nice little checkout from reality. Yeah. That's not really real. 
Great point. Like, in what world are people not really just walking through life buzzed? Like, how how is it not that? Right. That's my main question. Yeah. Like, how are you, whoever's microdosing, right? Like, probably right now. How are you not just living buzzed and claiming it awesome because you just feel really good? Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. And again, that's how it all starts out for all of yeah. us with drinking and using and everything. It feels really good. That's why we do it. That's right. why we kept doing it. We didn't do it because it sucked. We didn't do it because it felt bad. But then at some point, it gets away from just feeling good to just feeling normal. Right. And then it becomes the obsession over when is the next fix? When is the next hit? When do I get to do it again? Because I'm not feeling good or yeah. I need to solve this problem. I'm sad. I'm glad I'm mad. I just got to, you know. Yeah. And then that's where I think the slippery slope is. And because this is sort of a newer uh, concept, we're not seeing the downside or at least it's not being talked about mm. yet of that slippery slope of when it turns into an addiction. Right. No, 100%. And you know addiction is it's just like an addiction to dopamine you know like that's all it really is we're just we like things that make us feel good and magic mushrooms is another one of those things that makes us feel good so to think you can't get addicted for you know all the things they say oh it's, there's non-addictive properties and blah 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 I mean, dude, there's people addicted to porn. There's people addicted to video games. Video games isn't even a physical substance. Right. You know, it's a it's an algorithm on the internet. Oh, but yeah. people are physically addicted to that. There's there's people in Korea. They're not there's not people currently. But there was a family in Korea whose child died because they played video games a couple. They were married. They played video games for like 56 hours without stopping and their child died of starvation. Oh my God. <laughs> Could you imagine being so engulfed in a video game for 56 hours that, that your baby died because you didn't feed it or give it water? Yeah. So to like claim that you can't get addicted to mushrooms or to make these claims is, is untrue. Right. Like we're addicted to things that make us feel good and that's all inclusive. A hundred percent. And it's interesting. And I think it doesn't have such a bad stigma because like you were saying, you know, these celebrity influencers yeah. are doing it and talking about it. I myself have uh, been part of some entrepreneur groups where yeah. that that's what they do. That's their right. norm to tap into this yeah. creative side. It's culture, or, right? yeah. yeah, it's a cultural thing. So it's not it's not like how you would picture your average addict, which is yeah. like a junkie with a needle sticking out of their arm in the gutter like it's right, a right, more. Right quote unquote, higher class level of, you know, coping. Yeah. But I think the ends could end up being exactly the same. Yeah. And I think it's a deeper rooted denial because it's, it's, we say this all the time. You and me, our experience is that an older successful alcoholic client are one of the, the most difficult to deal with mm -hmm. because they have less evidence that things aren't working for them. They have a lot more evidence that things are working. So trying to uproot that or debug it or reframe it, whatever word you want to use, mm -hmm. trying to encourage someone to change is very hard when they have all this evidence that says things like actually aren't that bad. On paper, I'm doing just fine. So they have like a small sample group of why they should change rather than a huge sample group of the junkie on the street with a needle in their arm with living on a cardboard box or whatever. Yeah. hundred percent. So we say that all the time. So I think it's, it's hard to combat these people because they are successful. They are in an entrepreneurship business program. They do own businesses. Mm -hmm. They, they are successful, but I don't think that is the measuring stick for why to do something or not. Right. If Elon Musk, the most successful, richest man in the world, told me to jump off a cliff, I still wouldn't do it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. And so I, that's kind of how I feel about it, where it's like, dude, have some agency over like what you're doing, you know? And promoting. Yeah. Like if you want to know what's influencing others to do. Yeah. If you want to know what's best for a spiritual experience, go talk to someone that's a, a, an expert in that, you know? Right. And I'll say it right here, right now. I don't think Joe Rogan's an expert on a, a spiritual experience. And I would dude, find a shaman. 
Find a shaman. Find someone. Yeah. They, they might give you ayahuasca, but still, they <laughs> might. True. There's a lot of shamans on Instagram, Ange, that <laughs> <Okay>. will <laughs> prescribe you sacred plant medicine. Uh, but I, but isn't like the true goal is to get there without the need of using something to get there? Like, isn't that the true lasting? Uh, you said it. It's the lasting. Yeah. It's the lasting part. Right. I don't know if it's the truest part. Because imagine if we took 10 people from the streets and said, if I can get you jacked and tan and smart in 10 days, if you take this pill, would you take it? They'd all say yes. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's how the world is, right? Like, oh, shit, I could be a superhuman by just taking mushrooms. You want to believe that. That's so enticing. Yeah. That I would think about it. I have thought about it. And I'm like, wait, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's not how the world works. You don't just get results by not working for them. Right. There's no experience in my life that I've gotten results by not working for it. And the same proves true to this. And I think that's what bothers us so much is because we've worked so hard to have the things that we have. And also, all these people bring up these like life hacks of and expecting to not work hard but to get all the rewards. Right. Well, and to, it doesn't work that way. And to chime in on, on like you're talking about, if you give all these people the 10-day magic pill, they're all going to say yes. But how many are going to do everything it takes to keep that? It, easy come, easy go. Yeah, they yeah. had it and then they're yeah. like, okay, cool, moving on. Or do you yeah. have another pill? Like they're not going to like work to keep that. They're not yeah. going to work and appreciate it because it came so easy. There's For no sure. desire to maintain it or to make sure they never go back to the way they were. Like that's like the what people creates that win the, the lottery. lasting results. Oh, right. They win the lottery. It's like uh, if you don't know how to budget your money – with no money, you're not going to know how to budget your money when you have money. Right. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. I don't know. I think I think there should be like a book, and there probably is. That's like the laws of the universe. And like these are some of them. Right. You know, it's like you can't get shit without working for shit. Right. You can't know stuff without learning stuff. Yeah, you, know? you can't appreciate it unless you put in the work to get it. Someone right. just hands it to you. You'd be grateful for a moment, but you're for not sure. going to treat it in the same manner as if you worked for five straight years to get that car of your dreams. Like yeah. it, you're going to treat that car like it's your baby. But yeah. someone just gives you the keys to a car, you'll be like, sweet. But do yeah. you care if someone like bumps into it or you get a scratch or a ding and be like, whatever. No. You know, easy come, easy go. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I have a 2008 Subaru and I barely even clean that thing anymore. I'm like, Dude, I've had this thing forever, you know? Like, but in 2008, I thought I was the coolest human being on planet Earth. You know, <laughs> like I thought people drove with a Subaru, by with a Subaru 2008 Subaru <laughs> Legacy. You, you know? were high back then. I huh? was, yeah, dude, yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of the point, you know. But nowadays, I'm like, someone dings it, someone keys it, like whatever, dude. Yeah, you know? yeah. Just, it's just here to help me get to point A to point B. You know, like <laughs> whatever. Okay, well, I so think then how does what that, else we got on that? Yeah, well, then I guess the segue <laughs> to that is so. What is our opinion? We obviously talked about people who don't struggle with addiction mm -hmm. um, and our and our thoughts on that. So now what about the people who are coming to us who are struggling with addiction or have recently become sober or that sort of thing? What is your opinion on them doing this now? The sacred plant medicine? Yeah. Straight from God and Buddha? <laughs> Buddha's, Buddha's fungi? Also, so before I answer that, Netflix put out a freaking mushroom like documentary and dude this is a disclaimer for the world mushroom is not like the senior opinion or not mushroom netflix <laughs> netflix is not the senior opinion uh, for mm -hmm. the world right if netflix comes out with a documentary it doesn't mean shit yeah it's one opinion yeah but anyways but the whole world sees that opinion so now they all have that opinion right people, and they think it's based in fact and yeah, medically people, researched and everything yeah. else Netflix said that some mushrooms are good for us and we should take them all along, whatever. Anyways, moving on. To answer your your question, Ange, <laughs> uh, as far as like the addiction community or the recovery community, I think it's a terrible idea for the reasons that we stated and then some. I think people that are addicted to substance fall under the belief that I need something. I need to take something to feel something. I need to take something to fix something. I need to take something to be something. So unlearning that is super difficult. And you can ask anyone that's went to rehab, anyone that's went to counseling, to therapy, 
uh, people that go to therapy usually go for months, years, years, to unravel and change these types of beliefs. So to fall back into the idea that if I take this drug, it'll fix this. Or if I take this, will this drug, I can become this faster, better, stronger, whatever, whatever adjective you want to put in there. I think it's just a false claim. And I think it's actually a warning sign that you are starting to think more like you did when you were an addict and less like you were when you're seeking recovery. Mm. Like, I think it's along the sign. It's along the lines of recoveries, like walking up a down escalator. Mm -hmm. If you're not, if you've ever, we've talked about this on the show before. If you walk up an escalator going down, you will go backwards, even though it appears that you're going forwards. Yeah. Right. So mentally you feel like you're moving forward, but you're actually in reality going backwards and you don't see it. So if you are going to take mushrooms to fix something, you're avoiding the work. You're looking for the easy way out. You're trying to put a Band-Aid on a problem that is probably not being addressed properly. That's That was going to be my point. It could right? just be that you haven't found the right solution, solution or program or, or therapy or resource or mindfulness, whatever it is. You just haven't found the right thing to unlock what it is you're looking for. And the solution isn't... Let me take a substance to figure that out because that's what got addicts into yeah. and alcoholics into their position to begin with is right. starting to, you know, self-medicate or to solve problems utilizing a substance. Yeah. No, I agree 100 percent. And um, hopefully that answers it. I definitely feel that way about the California sobriety thing and like smoking weed and stuff. I think smoking weed, I have a little bit more. I have a lot, a little bit more to say on it just because I've talked about it for the last seven and a half years to, you know, I think it's very, it's more common that clients come into our office, my office and are like, yeah, I can't wait to get sober, dude, but just to let you know, I'm going to smoke weed when I get out of, get yeah, out of here. I was that I'm, person. Right. I'm going to drink alcohol when I get out of here. I'm still going to hang on to this, that, and the third, but I'm totally down to listen and I totally want to stop doing coke. But I don't want to stop doing this. That is like a run-of-the-mill, everyday conversation. So I've had that conversation so many times. So I feel like I have more to say on it just from the experience of having it so many times. Whereas this Magic Mushroom one's a little more uh, new. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the California Sober one's nuanced. It is. It's nuanced, you know. Um, especially with us. How many people we've seen come in that own pot farms? Oh, that work tons. in the dispensaries. Yeah that probably don't have a problem with weed. Weed is not actively destroying their life. But what's under that? Why do you need to do something to feel something? Why do you need to smoke something to be something? Or do, like you don't, like that was, I guess this is why I'm so passionate about it, is once I didn't need substances to be me, I could just double down on being me. Mm. And I could figure it out. And I knew that like, a little bit of hard work, talking to people, resources, studying, learning, whatever. I could probably figure it out. And what I also figured out is there was no shortcut. It always took work. Yep. And it's still to this day is true. So I think it's the same thing for smoking pot. And I would say this example, I'm like, okay, dude, like you want to smoke pot because it makes food better. It makes sex better. It makes TV better. Like those things are already cool. Food, frozen pizzas are already good. Like, yeah. why do we, or you know what I mean? But yeah. like having the money, like food's already good. Why does it need to be better? Right. Sex is already good. Why does it need to be better? A good movie, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, is funny sober. Right. <laughs> like, why do we need to maximize? And it, it comes down to us just being addicted to pleasure. Right. More, more pleasure. Back to that again. All the yeah. time. Avoid pain, get pleasure. Almost every problem in our life can be boiled down to that sentence. We're just seeking pleasure and we're trying to avoid pain. Yep. And in the short term, that's all we look at. In the long term, there's consequences for both. Right. And you can't avoid them. You can't avoid either. If you're depressed, you're going to experience happiness. Sorry, dude. That's probably not what you want to hear. <laughs> but if you're depressed, you're just constantly trying to devalue the happiness that's there. 
Well, and how can you ever experience true happiness if you don't experience the other side of the coin? Yeah. You've got to go through hardship. You got to feel depressed. You got to do all those things on the negative spectrum to really appreciate and enjoy the things on the upper spectrum or else you're just a zombie like cruising down the middle and not really partaking in either side. That's very true. Which is kind of like where I think, you know, like the pharmaceutical companies and societies trying to put us is just in that very comfortable middle lane kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's not possible. Um there's this girl, Dr. Anna Limke. She was also on Joe Rogan and the Rich Roll podcast. One of the best podcasts I've ever listened to, in my opinion, because I'm all sobriety, all addiction. Like, I love that stuff. But, and it's funny, we're on, a pod, we're on our podcast promoting another podcast, but it's for the audience, dude. <laughs> Listen to the Rich Roll podcast with Dr. Anna Limke. So, Rich Roll is sober. Have you heard of Rich Roll? He's like an ultra no. marathon runner. Um, sober dude, super smart guy. But so when Joe Rogan talked to Dr. Lemke, they talked a lot about his magic mushroom and addiction. He was very like, Joe has his beliefs about addiction and recovery and stuff like that. And he was challenging hurts. But Rich Roll is sober and has been for a long time and has talked to millions of people in the sobriety space. So they got to like geek out on it. They got to like go to the next level of it yeah. rather than Dr. Lemke having to just defend herself to Joe. Right. And be like, Joe, I'm, I'm the doctor. I'm the head of addiction at Stanford, Joe Rogan, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. So. But that's his gig, right? Like that's his whole thing is he wants to challenge. Yeah. The status and it, quo. it was good because I think she had to make some pretty decent arguments that yeah. were helpful, you know? And she's so open minded that she's like, dude addictions nuanced and I'm not going to sit here and just give you blanket answers. I'd have to know the person, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But the point I was going to make is she talks about the pain and pleasure balance in your mind. Yeah. Right. And that her example was like back in the day, if you were looking for food and you got a whole bunch of food, say you killed a Buffalo. Now you just got a year's worth of food. That's going to feel good at first. Really good. And you're going to experience a bunch of pleasure. But three days go by, your mind is going to tell you that you have to get more food because it's a survival thing. So our minds are programmed to not let us experience that much pleasure because if we're sleeping and it feels really good, someone could kill us. Like it's not good for our survival to only be in pleasure. Like we can't live in just pleasure. Like there has to be the motives of avoiding pain too. Like we have to know they're there so that we can survive. You know, we can't just close our eyes and walk around and be like, ah, oh, it feels so good to just walk with my eyes closed and then you get hit by a car. Right. Like you gotta have both, you know? Yeah, yeah. But the cool part about it is that the brain, the, the brain's always trying to balance it, right? So even if you experience pleasure on a normal basis, the brain will balance it out with pain somehow whether it's a wake-up call, whether it's a thought, whether it's a reminder. Um, I'll give a perfect example. I'll be hanging out with some people that I enjoy, and my mind goes, one day they'll die. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, okay, there's the balance. Yeah. Right? I'm back on even keel. Let's, let's be appreciative of these people because they'll die one day, and now I'm balanced out. And just like subtle things like that, like it's just – it's survival, you know? So I think the big point of it is that you don't have to avoid it. Like, it's it's a good thing. Like, they're, they're supposed to be both yeah. for a very primal reason. And trying to avoid it is like playing God and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And we don't know how many people need to, to remind everybody. Makes sense. I mean, when you're talking about that, it reminds me of CrossFit. You know, we have clients come in like, oh, my my back hurts my leg hurts i want some tylenol and it's like no dude this is good thing your body being sore is good there's pain there but it's an indicator that you actually put it to work so Mm -hmm. you got to like retrain your brain to appreciate the pain and the discomfort as a good thing not a bad thing and i think you know when you're using and drinking you're trying to avoid all the pain and so it's you literally have to 
teach somebody how to go through those emotions, go through those body somatics, go through those feelings and it being okay. You don't have to fix it. You can just go through it. Mm Kind of like the grieving process. There's no short circuit of that. You just got to go through it. You can't avoid it. You just got to allow yourself the time and the space to go through it. Very true. Yeah, there's no shortcut to that. No. So how can there be a shortcut to enlightenment? Like you would think that shortcut would work for grieving too. Yeah. You know, and so I think there's just a lot of counter arguments or counter examples to like the two topics that we're talking about, the California sober, the magic mushrooms. And I guess the big point for me is it's just not helpful and it's not, it's not how the world works, you know, and the people that are saying that, sorry if this offends people, but I think they're just as much in denial as the next person. Yeah. You know? Yeah, my thought on it is it's a slippery slope. Yeah. It is just, you know, you're you're putting drugs in your body to alter your mind. And yeah. anytime you're doing that, it's, I mean, I wouldn't say it's as severe as Russian roulette, but it's a slippery slope. At some mm-hmm. point, it, bec- it stops being that thing that makes you feel good and starts becoming that thing you need just to feel normal. And then it, it gets worse from there. And yeah. so... You know, I've had a lot of people ask me like, well, what's your opinion on, you know, like the week, Cali Sober? And it's like, of course, at the end of the day, I would much rather somebody not be doing heroin and crack and quote unquote only smoking weed. But I also know that that is also just a means of uh, avoiding total sobriety as well. Yeah, yeah. But and, and these days, I mean, if you want to take it into a much darker place, it, we've even had locally um, some kids who thought they were just smoking weed and it ended up being laced in fentanyl, which is now being laced in all kinds of different mm-hmm. drugs. And people go in thinking they're just doing this and they end up overdosing and dying without even realizing that they just ingested, you know, a substance that was going to kill them. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it, it can be a loaded weapon. Like you said, with uh, scoring the um, microdosing on the streets, you know, at first, yeah, you can get it from your doctor, but then your your need becomes more than that. And then you find yourself in sketchy environments and doing things. And then mm-hmm. do you even know the quality that you're getting? Do you even know, you know, how good it is? Yes, Joe Rogan probably has the cream of the crop, best of the best. And that's something he never has to worry about. So yeah. again, he's very pro because he would never experience the cons of your average person who's now having to go score that on the street. Yeah. I mean, perfectly said, just another con of of what can happen, you know? Yeah, and I think for the California sober thing, too, it's like, what are you trying to accomplish, you know? Like, I I always kind of fall back to there's other ways to achieve the same solution. And maybe that way has more benefits later. Maybe not right now. Um but what is wrong with the idea of not using anything? What if you could be okay with not needing anything but yourself? What if that was possible? You know, and like those are the types of questions I think that should be answered for whoever this applies to rather than just say like, oh, well, I wasn't addicted to weed. Or like, oh, well, weed's grown from the earth. It must be good. Natural. Right. So is the fucking opium flower, you know, the poppy flower. Like right. And so are the mushrooms that actually kill you. Everything comes from the earth. <laughs> yeah. Good and bad. Yeah. It's all from here, you know. So I just think that there's a lot like. A, a good a good like piece of advice to give is like question the thoughts you're defensive over. Like, why are you defending this idea of microdosing? Why are you defending the idea of I could probably smoke weed. Why are you defending the idea that you could drink? I know why I defend the other way, you know, because I've seen a bunch of people that thought they could smoke weed and they end up dying. Yeah. I right? mean, and there's a reason we grew up with them saying it was a gateway drug. Mm-hmm. Alcohol is the same thing. I, I've known a lot of people who are finally like, and again, in entrepreneur groups that like I had to give up alcohol because I didn't necessarily always have a problem with alcohol, but it definitely led me to cocaine. Which to <laughs> things I had a problem with. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, hookers and cocaine and things like that. And yeah. so, you know, I maybe I didn't actually think I had a problem with the alcohol, but I definitely had a problem with where it ended up taking me. Yeah. And that's why they call that a gateway drug, alcohol and weed, because they themselves are maybe not so bad, but where mm-hmm. they could lead you is really bad. Yeah. 
No, that's true. And I think another good preface or another thing to disclaim too is everybody's different. There isn't one answer to any of these situations. For the most part, this is me and Angie, Angie and I just kind of giving our experience and our take on it. Um, Angie and I could both attest to we've seen people have five years sober and start smoking weed and their life's great. But we've also seen the other side of the coin too, you know? And it's like, God, I got analogies today, dude. It's like the <laughs> stock market, right? They say 10% of people actually make money on the stock market. That's but those odds. 90% of people that don't hear about those 10. Yeah. And that's how they get into it. And it's kind of the same thing with the California sober thing and the microdosing thing. Like the 10% of people that experience the good influence the 90% of people that are just going to get dicked in the stock market. They're just going to get screwed from smoking weed. They're just going to get screwed from taking mushrooms and not achieving enlightenment or not getting rich or, I don't know. Getting fat, getting Getting, unhealthy. Yeah, yeah, whatever it (laughs) is. Getting unmotivated. Yeah, so it's like the other side of the coin is not illuminated, and I guess that's kind of where I feel like our job was to illuminate the other side of the coin so you have all the information and maybe a a different process to think of. Sure. And then make the decision. Yeah, and then if you've already struggled with addiction, you know that's part of you. So you know it wouldn't take much to put mm-hmm. you right back down that same path. So like I would never openly, verbally give a former addict or alcoholic the permission to go just use this other thing. It's mm-hmm. not the same thing, but it's something different. Yeah, You're still like giving them permission to utilize the substance and not abuse it and only do it in a good way and not experience any of the bad things. And I just don't think that's always very possible, especially for someone who's had massive addiction issues, gambling, True. smoking, all of it. Like when you have that in you, that personality, CrossFit, when you yeah. have that in you, you you don't know how to like uh, govern that stuff. Or right. even if you do, and you may be the exception to the rule, would I want to say it's okay for everybody when I don't think that's the case. No, publicly, hell no. Yeah, and I mean, I've had plenty of conversations about this where I'm like, after two hours, an hour and a half of talking, I'm like, dude, go smoke weed. Like, if you really want to that bad, you know, like, you're probably not going to die tomorrow. Like, it's not like shooting fentanyl, for sure. But that's not, that shouldn't be, like, the standard to hold it against, you know? And I think in recovery, it's like we take deep dives into who we are as people and we know our flaws or shortcomings or things that we're working on, you know. So I think like for the most part, I I hate the idea of like comparing it up to something else. You know, I hate um, like I don't suck that much. He sucks more. You know, (laughs) this drug isn't that bad compared to heroin. It's not a great selling point to do something. You know what I mean? It's like, well, and I think it's difficult, too, because uh, our, our program being very different than the rest of programs. And we recently had Caitlin on here, mm-hmm. which we talk about other programs will take you off all those har- harder drugs, but then put you on like five different medications and call mm-hmm. you sober. Yeah. And so you're kind of just switching addictions. You're still super high, but now all yeah. of a sudden it's legal and now we're calling you sober. So. This is kind of the same thing. It's like, you know, calling yourself Cali sober, you're still getting high. Yeah. Are you really sober? Yeah. Like, how does that make sense? Yeah. Like, how can you say that you're sober when you use drugs and alcohol? And I know what people are thinking right now. Well, people use nicotine and sugar. That's very true. That is true. Those could definitely be drugs. But I'm at least aware of it. I use nicotine. I know I have an addiction to it. I'm working on stopping. I know it's not going to be that soon because that that's not how there's no hack to it. Yeah. You know, I've tried and I've had some time away, but I know that that's my point is I know this and I wouldn't blanketly deny it either. The other side of the coin isn't always the same. It's not always the same. And, um, Yeah. And at the same time, listen, if you did used to shoot heroin, you were a crackhead and you're just smoking weed, you're Cali sober, like 
all the power to you. Like, yeah. I'm not saying that's bad or wrong. Mm -hmm. I definitely not saying you might as well go back and start doing those other drugs because it's the same. Because it's not. Like, what is addiction? Is it ruining your life or are you functioning? Are mm -hmm. you getting everything done every day that you want to get done uh, and, and keeping all your responsibilities in place? Good. Then I'm not going to judge you for, for your decisions. Do I think that you would be even better if you did cut out everything, I would definitely challenge you to try that and see how mm. it works and see how much better you can be. I agree 100%. And that's, I think that's kind of what I meant too is like, dude, we're not, like we, we're pumped that you're alive. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like we're pumped that things aren't getting worse. But there's more than just that measuring stick. Yeah. You know, it's like the uh, Suboxone analogy. It's like, but I'm not using heroin. I'm like, yeah, but you're on Suboxone. Like it's been two years. Let's change. Let's change the goal. You know, maybe now let's get off Suboxone. Same thing with me. Started with heroin and crack. Then I started tackling the cigarettes. You know, it's like, at least I know what it is. Shit. Like, yeah, I mean, it took me getting pregnant to quit smoking. Yeah. it's. And even after I had kids, I was like, ah, let me dabble in that again. And right. it took my kids saying, you smell like smoke and it's gross and i went mm -hmm. oh crap yeah and i quit and i haven't smoked since but you know we we get there when we get there true very and true. when we're ready it's not that hard once not we make that hard. just like quitting drug once you make that decision it's not that hard it gets easier yeah yeah and i think the ultimate goal is sugar you know all america is addicted to sugar unless you're like part of the one percenters that don't use it yep. you know every Every person has an addiction to something, 100%. Whether it's a phone or shopping. Working or out. Working out. Yeah, so like in a way, that's a way to get kind of foxholed into like what is sobriety yeah. if we're all addicted. But it's just, we're just defending these ideas of who we think we are and that gets cloudy. Yeah, and I think there can be healthy addictions. Yeah. Like if I didn't feel addicted to exercise I would be complacent about it and mm -hmm. then I would put on 100 pounds and be fat and unhealthy so yeah. I do think there can be and positives, maybe yeah, yeah positives and maybe that's the goal is mis you know not misdirecting but directing those bad habits towards healthy good habits mm -hmm. I, I, I talk to people all the time and we laugh about what better employees people who are former addicts are because they know how to hustle, they know how to get there, they are very driven, they have so many like positive attributes that if you can like harness them and put it in a in a very positive and proactive way, they're like the best employees ever. They're not afraid of hard work, they're not afraid of getting their hands dirty, they're not afraid of this. They have goals to you know achieve massive things. And so I think being an addict or a former addict is a huge positive if you channel it in the positive way. Yeah, I agree 100%. Wow. The gym as well you know like with crossfit there's a lot of similarities there and the people that are just super into it and put in the time and the work it can be a very positive thing it doesn't have to be a negative thing yeah that's true i think um there's not like a one-size-fits-all answer there's it's just no it's something that if you're sober and you're thinking about smoking weed think a little bit harder you know Check in with people that aren't smoking weed. Check in with people that you look up to and see what they say. You know, mm -hmm. check it. Same with the, the magic mushrooms thing. Ask people that aren't doing them. People, everyone has their own agenda, right? If you come talk to me about if you should do CrossFit or not, I'm going to sell you on it. You know, yeah. so maybe I'm not the best person to talk to. I don't know. <laughs> Or I'm the perfect person. I don't really know <laughs> Depending either. Depending on what your goal is. Yeah, but get both <laughs> because sides I do of the think coin. You, you, te you tend to talk to those that you know you're, they're going to say what you want to hear. Right, right. You might avoid the people who might say something you really don't want to hear. Yeah, maybe CrossFit's a bad example because I'd be like, yo, this shit's super hard. Are you willing to work? <laughs> you want to see fat melt off your body? It will, but check it out. Yeah. It's going to take a while, and it's a lot of hard work. Yeah. I tell it. I literally told some random dude that the other day came into CrossFit. It's like, hey. <laughs> This is how much membership is, blah, blah, blah. Like, I sold them on the results, and I was like, but it's really hard. But that's why it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, it, like with everything, it takes consistency. There's no magic pill. There's no overnight. Mm -hmm. There's no, like, instant sensation. Like, it takes consistency and yeah. work to get there.
I mean, yeah. shit, it took me eight years to finally build the body that I like. I can see abs. I can see yeah, muscle. Yeah. I enjoy it. It's strong. It, it's fast. It gets things done. But it because I started later in life, it took me a long ass time to get there yeah. and consistency. And there you are. Yeah. Took the work. Took and the then, time. you know, you appreciate it and you don't want to lose it because you right. put in all that time and that effort. To Eating get to that, that place. pizza is going to take a lot more for you now. Oh, because, you know, it's going to set me back two weeks. Yeah. Unless I don't, it's I don't cauliflower have that crust. I, uh, almond meal. But yeah. so I, <laughs> I do gonna, do that. I was going to say to the audience, if you'd like to fight me on this on the Internet, my Instagram is Dallas RRT. I'd love to talk to you about it. Yeah. I will try to not be defensive, but I would love to hear the counter arguments. If you feel compelled to do that, you can find us on Instagram and I will absolutely talk to anybody about these things and keep my mind open. But that is how I feel. And I think Angie and I have given, I think it was a very honest conversation, which is great. Like we're not close minded. We don't, we know that people take mushrooms and people smoke weed and they have great lives and that's okay. Seriously, not judging anybody for the choices they make. That is my position, your mm-hmm. position, uh, it's not who we are. Yeah. Well, I judge people that do these two things, but that's my own shit and I'm working on it. <laughs> I actually don't. I mean, I'm out and around. People, for some reason, always want to confess to me. They feel like they need to tell me these things. And I'm like, dude, it's cool. Like, I, I have no judgment. Are you holding your life together? Are you going to work? Are you making a living? And then I don't care. Yeah. But at the point that you're not able to do that, then I care. Then it's a problem. Then we should do something about it. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. To, that's a good way to look at it. Well, damn, Ange. I think um, we just be... Uh, What's the word? Something about a dead horse? We'd just be, <laughs> we beat, beat a we'd dead just horse. be beating a dead Can horse. Can I just tell you one last analogy? And this is super dumb, but it, I feel like I need to say it. So yeah. I just think anything, too much of anything is not good. So yes. there was this show that I used to love called Xena, the Warrior Princess. Uh-huh. And she was like this badass female that would fight things. Her best friend, Gabrielle, went off to like this place where she would just do like mindfulness all day and she became very spiritual and she Mm -hmm. loved it but what happened is she would sit for so long in these like positions and thoughts that she basically turned herself into stone but what I took out of that is like anything done too much too often it's controlling your life it's controlling uh everything you do even if it's a good thing becomes a bad thing yeah so if you're smoking weed all day every day just to get through if you're drinking all weekend every weekend just to get through if you're having to do these things just to get through then it probably is a problem and you're probably not a good candidate for either of these methods (laughs) (laughs) these methods being magic mushrooms in california (laughs) sobriety yes no it's true that's something my dad taught me very very young and he's sober as well so it was like moderate he'd always say moderation you know and i'd be like what do you mean moderate you can never have too much cereal he's like yeah you can you can have too much cereal you can have too much milk you drink enough water you'll drown yourself from the inside he's like moderation for everything and that stuck with me for a long time until it didn't (laughs) but now now i got it you know so it's a good disclaimer it's a good uh framework to evaluate what you're doing i mean look at workaholics not good, you know, not healthy, because they're a, giving up everything else in their lives yeah. in order to work. Yeah, it's a balance, and that's a great place to stop because we talked about the pain and pleasure balance. The balance will always find balance, and your suffering is on the line, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or lack of suffering Yeah. to find moderation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. Damn. Well, that was fun, Ange. Gosh, I really hope some people DM you, Dallas. I really do. I do, too. That'll be amazing. And by the way, you can feel free to DM me as well. I certainly uh, am not as strongly opinionated as as Dallas, but uh, definitely uh, here to communicate or help in it. Yeah, I can. There we go. I like how you, uh, (laughs) your call to action was like, hey, I'm here to be helpful. And my call to action was like, hey, (laughs) let's let's fight fight on the Internet. That's why we make great co-hosts. We're like the yin to the yang. That's it, yeah. (laughs) That's perfect. You want to share some wins? Hit up Angie. Yeah. You want to argue? Yeah, you need help with something? Come get me. Yeah. Yeah, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I hope this was helpful or fun or insightful or humorous or interesting. Yeah. And if not, 
don't listen to the podcast. You know, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, and I would also just say, if if you have something you really are concerned about, you have questions about, you want to know our opinions on, you want us to talk about, just DM us. I would yeah. love to leave that open to anybody who has some interesting topics they would love our opinion or experience on. Uh, yeah. as as a means to talk about because you know this one became relevant because it has been coming up so much Left in so right. many areas it felt like we needed to talk about yeah. it but certainly if there's something for you that you you would love for us to talk about we we're here to do that as well yeah i'm all for it yeah all for it yeah. as long as it kind of fits in the bubble let's do it yeah. <laughs> and where we can provide some good content that would be a good thing for sure yeah 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 laugh <laughs> throw us some softballs come on guys yeah let's do it and and the harder the better let's go yeah All right, guys, that's our show for today. We hope you found some value from listening. And if you did, please share with someone you know or love. You can find us on social media. We are at Elevate Addiction Services. And if you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, please call our toll-free confidential 24-hour helpline at 833-33-SOBER or visit our website at elevaterehab.org.